This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk. For Friday, July the 26th, I'm your host, DA. NFL training camps are here. Teams are opening up, getting some work in before the Hall of Fame game just a few days away now, which is crazy to say. And one of the things on everybody's mind is the Cleveland Browns, because either they're going to be one of the best stories in the NFL or one of the most disappointing Fans of all ages, shapes, and sizes in northern Ohio, northeast Ohio, looking forward to a brown season, really more so for the first time in any year, maybe in 20 years since they came back as the new Browns. But the question is, are the new Browns going to remain looking like the old Browns? COO David Jenkins joined the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland And a big question surrounding the Browns is what will the new jerseys and uniforms and helmets look like? Do you sometimes worry about that balance of we've got rock stars here. They're going to have obligations, international obligations, national obligations. How do we make sure that the Browns fan experience is still going to be as grounded as it is back in the day when they were at Lakeland Community College and Clay Matthews and Bernie Kosar, who were rock stars in their own right, got a chance to sign autographs with the fans on a daily basis? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we had a meeting the other day, an org meeting, just before camp started. And Freddie said, look, these guys, you got to let them be themselves. So they're going to do their things social media-wise. They're going to have their own personalities. Um, But if they can live by sort of the mantra that we want them to live by internally, which is loyalty, trust, and respect, we have that for each other, focused on a common vision, there will be ways where we can engage them with our fans. and You know, that's a top priority as a fan experience. They're so passionate about it. And I've noticed a lot of things, and and Lyman and I have talked about it a few times in the mornings, where – the, and I heard this on, on the podcast, the best podcast available, where they were saying you know, the Raiders don't have any open practices. The Eagles have one, maybe two by the time that this is all over. You're starting to see a lot of teams scale back, and it's because coaching staffs are worried about drones overhead and God knows what else. How important is it? Because the NFL is an increasingly big business. Not everybody can get to the stadium, but fans can get to training camp. How important is it to keep that accessible to the fan base? You know, we talk about our organizational priorities. We always say we want to win consistently. That's the first thing we focus on. So everything we do is, uh, that is first and foremost. The second thing we talk about is giving our fans a great experience. And it is really important for our fans to have access through any type of opportunity so whether it's ticket pricing at the stadium having something that's affordable and an entry point for everybody uh to to training camp is a is a great opportunity to engage our fan base so it's important to us uh you know a couple years ago we looked at going to columbus um but we felt that keeping it here for this fan base that's been so supportive uh so loyal to us the least we can do is to 
create engaging opportunities for them. What color are the jerseys going to be next year? <laughs> Brown, orange, and white. Some combination of that. I didn't hear gunmetal gray in there. Did you, I Kenny? didn't hear gunmetal gray in there either. What color are the helmets going to be next fancy. year? fancy. Helmet will remain untouched. <gasps> Whoa! Got to. My goodness gracious. Now, wait, have you Breaking seen news. our fans, our Thank fans you. want yeah. the helmets as they are? Have you seen the uniforms? Are they yes. done? They're done. Don't try and paint me in no corner here. I'm trying to. I've seen versions of the uniform. Versions, multiple versions. Are those the finalized versions of the uniform? You'll have to ask J.W. Johnson. <laughs> I'm, I'm more than welcome to do so. All right. Um, Wait, does you- this mean you're not? We're not talking about two guys from like Eugene and uh, Brooklyn, you know, New York that uh, that design these new uniforms? These are actual Browns fans or people that you know care about the Browns. People that care about the Browns. Look, you can't change the helmets. The Browns helmets have been the Browns helmets. For 50, 60 years, 70 years, you can't change them now. And I think that that's the smart play. Get it away from the Nike executives that don't live in Cleveland, have no connection to the Browns, trying to make things cool and stylish and hipster and modern and young. Let the Browns look like the Browns. And if the Browns get good, if they become playoff contenders and Super Bowl contenders, it's going to look beautiful to see those sterling uniforms out there looking the part like the Browns have always looked before this recent redesign. In Washington, the new look is at quarterback, where Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State, is the first-round draft pick. Joe Theismann's been there, not as a first-round draft pick, but as the starting quarterback in Washington that led the team to the promised land in a Super Bowl win. That's a long ways away for Haskins. But here's Joe Theismann, who joined Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan in D.C., discussing what he has seen from Haskins and admitting He's not ready to start just yet. So you rode with Haskins. I brought him over. Num- number seven and number seven. That's I'm, so cool. I'm delivering him personally. All right. You practice. drove him? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's hilarious. So That's he hops so cool. in your car. No, I asked him. I said, you guys Is there an over? Uber app for Joe Thysburg? Nah, I said, just... hey, you guys want to ride over? Come on with me. All right. going on a bus. So, so, we drove so you over. drive him over. And uh, and what's that conversation like? We, ju- we, you know, we, we both grew up in a very similar place. Uh, he's from around the Highland Park area in New Jersey. I grew up in South River. I mean, we're literally 15, 20 minutes from one another growing up. And talked about growing up in New Jersey. Byron grew up in California. It's a little bit of a different world. And uh, just talking about the process of, of becoming a, a football player in the National Football League. Byron's well aware of it. He's been here enough. And, Dwayne, it's a whole new world. Um, this is where it gets different. OTAs, mini camps, pretty much controlled environment. This will be a little bit more. You've got all the, the starters here. You've got you know the higher quality of guys as opposed to just a bunch of young kids who are trying to figure out what's going on. Not that they're not great athletes, but... It's, it's like any job. You have to understand what the job requires. You have to understand what the job's about. I think the toughest position to play in any professional sport is quarterback. You can talk to hockey players, basketball players, baseball players. They'll tell you the same thing. It's demanding not only physically, but it's tremendously demanding mentally. And that's the process that you have to go through. And I always refer to, to Peyton Manning uh, when I think of his rookie season when he threw 29 interceptions. You just don't come into this league and take it by storm. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was very blessed. He wound up on a football team, terrific offensive line, great running backs, great defense. Uh, you know, basically just steer the boat yep. is basically what's able to do and, and got a Super Bowl. Uh, it doesn't happen very often in this league. And we've got a lot of young guys, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, got some young guys, Dwayne, you know, guys that will be trying to figure it out. So, and Joe Theismann's with us here. We're live at training camp on Grant and Danny. 
you've gotten to know Dwayne a little bit. Uh, a little bit. We spent a little bit of time yeah. together. Yeah. Just, Not a lot, but I like him a lot. There's, there's two. Th- to me, Joe, I, I'm just drawn to the, to the kid. I've never spoken to him, but he seems to be magnetic, charismatic, smart, sharp, and the physical tools. Like you can't take your eyes off him when he's walking out to the field. He's huge. Yeah, he looks he's, like, he's much bigger than everybody else he looks out like, there. He, right. It looks like he got lost from the tight end meeting or well, something. Well, like I, I, I laugh because when you see a seven on somebody that big, you wonder who it is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> certainly the one I wore was a lot smaller. Just give us your, your impressions of him uh, to this point. I think, I think all from, a, from an eye standpoint when you look at him he fits the bill perfectly his size his speed spins the ball well throws it well throws the ball down the field well all of those physical tools are something you can only judge by uh, by looking at him he possesses all that smart intelligent uh, has a wonderful sense of feel of confidence slash humility uh, he believes in his ability, which I think is paramount to be able to walk out on this football field, no matter what position you play. The question is, is how quickly can you process the information that you're being given and then get out on the football field and be able to react versus think? The instant you think on a football field, you're going to be a step behind. You're going to be a half, half yard off on your throw, which is huge. I mean, an inch in this business huge but you take it to a half yard and it's even bigger um and that's the thing that we don't know that is the that is the question mark that remains is as he progresses uh how will he be able to assimilate everything that he needs to to play the position i think anybody that saw haskins coming out of ohio state knew that he was not quite ready to be a starter from day one but that's not really why washington drafted him it would be a disservice to haskins if they force him in there into a role where he's not ready. They have a veteran quarterback in Case Keenum ready to go. Even though Alex Smith is injured, there is a veteran waiting in the wings. Don't push Haskins out there before he's ready to go. Let him get some reps under his belt with the second team, maybe some mop-up duty, a fourth quarter here or there, but no need to shove him into the spotlight before he's ready. Haskins is the long play, not the short play for Washington. Elsewhere in the division, another former contender is trying to dig their way from the bottom up, and that's the New York Giants. Odell Beckham is gone. Sterling Shepard's supposed to step in and become the primary target from Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, or whoever is throwing the rock. But Sterling Shepard ends up breaking a thumb on the first day of training camp. So what does this mean for the passing game of Big Blue? Here's Fox Sports' Charles Davis, who joined Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN in New York. His role this year, even though they did sign Golden Tate, is only going to be elevated. He played every game last year, but you had Odell Beckham Jr. kind of sucking the air out of the room occasionally, getting most of the targets. He's dealing with this fractured left thumb. Two parts with you. Number one, how serious is an injury like that? And two, what do you expect from Sterling Shepard in a year in which now he's either the guy or he's option 1B next to Golden Tate? Yeah, I, I'll start with the second part, Evan. I, I expect a big year from him. This is a guy that I knew back in college at Oklahoma when I was calling a lot of college games. You know the background with his father, Derek Shepard, who had been a heck of a player at Oklahoma and had been a walk-on and worked his way up and played at a really high level for them. And this kid followed in his footsteps, lost his father tragically early, and has played his you-know-what off throughout. And when he was at Oklahoma, they used him inside, outside, you name it. He was that type of a player for them. So I think he'll be happy to assume that mantle. Now, the first part about the thumb, let's make sure this thing heals because you know as well as I do, the best pass catchers are catching it with their hands. Mm. That's where the control is. And with a broken thumb, obviously, it's a little bit tougher to do that, especially if you've got a cast on. 
The last guy I remember playing at a high level with a broken hand or a broken thumb was Julio Jones in college at Alabama his last year. He played about half the season with a fractured hand. Wow. Okay, toughness personified. But what happens is you end up body catching more. And body catchers, you end up with that second thump, as we like to call it for a defensive back. We hated the hands catchers because they had better control. The body catchers, if they caught it with their body and you put a thump on them, that second thump often dislodged the football because they didn't have the same control. So the biggest thing for him is just getting healed. You know, this offense, obviously you take away a superstar in Odell Beckham, but you have a better offensive line, Saquon Barkley in year number two. We'll get to the quarterback situation in a second. And also Evan Ingram, who showed promise, more promise certainly, over the last three or four weeks of the season. So you figure an improved Evan Ingram. What's your overall thought on this giant offense, especially now with Odell Beckham Jr. not walking through that door? Well, I'm going back to what you just said about the offensive line. That's where a huge part of the struggles were. I mean, the guys that they were playing with last year, remember how the season started. Early in the season, they lost a couple linemen to injury right off the top. So guys that, you know, I'm not, you're not going to confuse them with going to the Hall of Fame, but they also were the best offensive linemen they had in terms of at those positions, the Jalapeno getting hurt early. Mm-hmm. All those things hurt. By the end of the year, I think they ended up using three different centers with Spencer Pulley being the, the final guy. But now, if, if Solder plays better from the beginning, because he struggled early, played better down the stretch, similar to Evan Ingram, the right side was manned by Chad Wheeler. Well, you've tried to upgrade over there. That's where things get better for everyone. And then Saquon Barkley, you're not just throwing him the ball and saying, please make something happen. All right? yeah. You may be on your own in a lot of ways. Please make something happen. Hopefully he'll get a little bit of an escort and give him a chance to make something happen at the second and the third level rather than using his best moves at the first level in order to get two or three yards. So that's what you're looking for there. And Evan Ingram, he is your prototype of what we're looking for or what we're getting out of tight ends coming out of college. They're rocked-up wide receivers, essentially. They run wide receiver routes even though they might be inside the slot or flexed out, and they become an extra wide receiver for you, and that's what Evan Ingram is the role he's going to have to have. He may not mash you at the point of attack blocking, but he'll go downfield and make a play for you 10, 15 yards downfield. I think the Giants are in for a long season, and the only question is when does Daniel Jones end up getting in there? Because at Eli Manning's age and where he is in terms of where the organization's going to go, there's no room for Eli Manning to be playing 16 games this year unless they're a contender, and I don't see that. So it's time for Daniel Jones to be on the clock waiting to get in there, but not too soon, kind of like the Dwayne Haskins situation if he's not ready. But a Sterling Shepard injury is a big blow to a Giants offense that needs all the help it can get. So everybody knows that the New England Patriots are the favorite in the AFC. If it's not the Patriots, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, right? But how about a sleeper, a dark horse? How about a team that won a wild card berth last year and a playoff game and ended up losing in the divisional round at Arrowhead Stadium? That would be the Indianapolis Colts. And Brent Sobleski, NFL writer for Bleach Report, joined Gwyn and Chris in San Diego on KWFN and said the Colts should be the Super Bowl favorites in the AFC. Andrew Luck, of course, uh, healthy. Colts have been building this this franchise up. 10-6 and six last year, won a playoff game. Uh, did the Colts jump, make a couple of steps forward this year, or are they still a couple years away? I'll take it a step further. Looking at the way the AFC is constructed right now, I believe the uh, Indianapolis Colts are should be Super Bowl favorites. Hmm. That's how far 
I'll take it because they're constructed in the right manner. Once Chris Ballard came in as their general manager, yes, you had to get Andrew Luck healthy, and that's a huge feather in their cap. But it also comes down to what they've added since then. That offensive line's arguably the best in football. If you don't love Quentin Nelson, you don't love football, especially his new mustache, by the way. Go check it out on social media. <laughs> Second of all, you keep adding weapons. You're good at running back with Marlon Mack and deep. Now you start having a Devin Funches and a Paris Campbell. So now you have a 6'5 wide receiver on the outside and a, a wide receiver runs a 4-3 to pair with T.Y. Hilton. Eric Ebron's the year two in the system. And then maybe the biggest thing that happened last year wasn't necessarily that offense, but the defense and what Matt Eberflus did and why he became a head coaching candidate. He took a bunch of spare parts, essentially, and turned them into a sound fundamental unit that allowed them to can play at a consistent level around Darius Leonard, who was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. So the fact that it's a well-coached team with that much young talent coming into its own, to me, signals a potential shift away from the Patriots, who are still a playoff-caliber team, and maybe towards the Colts. Well, all my friends in Indianapolis are going to love hearing that. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, you guy here. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, and uh, Melvin Gordon all sitting out. Do you think that uh, these are going to be some long, drawn-out holdouts? Do you think that they'll get things done? Or, or what do you, how do you see this playing out? Obviously, the specter of Le'Veon Bell from last year is hanging over the league and still is. Well, the three you mentioned, including the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe, are all holding out, and they're still on their rookie contracts. So they're waiting for their first big payday. And it's likely going to come, especially for Michael Thomas and Ngakwe, because these guys are premium players at premium positions. And whereas you're a little more suspect at running back, do you pay an Ezekiel Elliott, for example, when you have this litany of long-term extensions in front of you, including Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Jalen Smith, and maybe Lyle Collins, their right tackle, in San, or excuse, almost at San Diego, in Los Angeles. You could say San Diego. charges melt. <laughs> I know, it's just habit. Uh, like I'm going to do with Oakland and Las Vegas next year. So when you have Melvin Gordon, where's the leverage? And so when I look at the five major holdouts, I mentioned four. The fifth one may have the best leverage overall, and that's Trent Williams with the Washington Redskins, because not only has he already made $31 million in base salary over the last four years, not only is he the best left tackle in football, but the Washington Redskins are happen to be in a place where they might have to start some guy named, uh, oh yeah, Eric Flowers Ouch. as their left tackle. <laughs> and if you need any more leverage, I don't know how you get it, gentlemen. You know, what the new front office has been able to do in Indianapolis has been pretty remarkable because the Colts were pretty much underachievers over the last couple of years and unable to protect Andrew Luck. And now they've got a good offensive line and a good running game and good young defensive players that seemingly happened overnight. So the Colts are a very dangerous team of the AFC South. The South has the Texans, who should be pretty good. Perhaps the Titans are pretty good as well. The Jaguars could have a bounce back year, but... Right now, there are those around the NFL that say the Colts should be the favorites in the AFC South and perhaps the AFC altogether. Now, over to baseball, MLB Network's Harold Reynolds has been around the game about a minute. And to him, the Houston Astros were the favorite, are the favorite, and should be the favorite to win the World Series. Here he is with Clint and Kamla on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Are the Astros, Harold Reynolds, your pick to win the World Series as we sit right now? Yeah, I said that uh, in the winter. I just think they're loaded. You know, and when you got the starting rotation they have, or put it this way, when you have Verlander and and Garrett Cole throwing the way they are, it doesn't matter who else is in the rotation. But 
you know, I think they're the team to beat. The lineup's fantastic, and they just continue to get better. Harold, have you seen this young fella? Not just a stupid question. Not if you've seen him. What do you think oh, about? What do you, what do you think about Jordan? <laughs> he already knows where you're going, Clint. <laughs> right, right, right. Give us some thoughts, uh, baby. The first time I saw him, I was trying to figure out who's he look like. He looked like David Ortiz in person, right in the face. But when I watched his batting stance, it reminded me of Chili Davis. And uh, then I watched him play, and the, the man could flat out hit. And then one night he hit a ball. Opposite field, like up by the train, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." So he he smashes the ball, man. He's quite a hitter. You can watch Harold Reynolds coming up on MLB tonight at 5 p.m. Leading into the Yankees at Red Sox on MLB Network at six plus. MLB Network will have wall to wall trade deadline coverage leading up to uh, July 31st when the deadline hits. So, all right, so you're a big fan of Jordan Alvarez. No surprise right there. Um, is he the next Astros superstar, Harold, when you talk about Bregman and and uh, Correa and Altuve and, and all these? Is he that next Astros superstar? Well, I think so. Um, you know, I don't know. They always have somebody coming up the pipeline. But for what, everything I've seen with his age, his power, his, his imposing – presence yeah I, I think right now they, they've hit the gold mine with another guy hey, what, what about have you ever had an injury uh from a, a massage you know what I, I i'm so glad i'm talking to you guys about this so it's called rolfing right or whatever that's called that uh that that carlos i'm sure is how he got hurt with the massage so my wife i kept having these my leg is killing me legs killing me she's like you got to go see this guy. His name's David Thatcher, and he does this roughing massage. It's a deep, deep massage. It's going to hurt, but it's going to help. And I'm like, all right, finally I'll go. And, I mean, he crushed me, and this stuff hurts. He's got his elbow in you and everything else. And so when he started doing that, I'm like, I get it. I believe it now. Because at first it was a joke, right? Yeah, right. He broke his rib. Get the massage. Come on, man. You know, but after I did this, I was like, I get it. And I remember asking David while he was doing the massage, I said, could you break somebody's rib? He goes, oh, yeah, if your hand slips or you don't know exactly what you're doing, yeah, you can break a rib. Like, I can break your rib and snap a finger. Wow. Like, hey, holy smokes. So so tell me this now, a follow-up on that one. Jordan has so it been, changed my whole look, outlook on Carlos Correa. Go ahead. You should have been on the show about two months ago when it first happened so that we could have <laughs> calmed all the, 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 the stories. Look, there's so much to like about the Astros. I mean, obviously, they've got the experience of having won the World Series two years ago. Last year, they were just as good but fell short to a dynamic Red Sox team in the ALCS. And this year, they're loaded for bear yet again. They've got starting pitching led by, of course, ace Justin Verlander, who's been dynamic. You also have Garrett Cole, who's been phenomenal as well. The lineup top to bottom, one through nine, it's virtually impossible to get an easy out with them. And then the bullpen. I mean, the Astros have it cooking, and understandably, you've got people coming into the season saying the Astros are the favorites and still should be the favorites. Nothing to change that right now in the American League for Harold Reynolds. Finally, Bill Bellamy owns a very special place in sports fans' hearts. I mean, Bellamy has been a comedian, a stand-up actor for a long time, an actor in many comedic roles, but... How about his role in any given Sunday? For sports fans, one of the good, solid, perhaps great football films of the last 20 years, Bill Bellamy playing alongside Steeman Willie Beeman in any given Sunday, alongside all-time great Al Pacino. He joined the Mac Attack on WFNZ in Charlotte and gave us a little peek behind the curtain at the quarterback position for the Sharks. 
you played wide receiver too with one yes. of the game's great quarterbacks. You Steven. can still play if it's you can literally play if it's not your right hand. If you're right handed and you break your thumb on yeah. your left hand, you can actually almost still play. But if it's your your dominant hand, yeah, and it's uh, gonna be you got to sit down. What, what was it like to play with one of the game's great quarterbacks, Steeman Willie Beeman, in any given Sunday? It was actually uh, <laughs> really fun. Jamie did a good job. But what most people don't know is a lot of those real passes was by another guy. That was a real oh, quarterback. Oh, man. No, Here mean, we wanted Jamie Foxx's Cam's backup. Oh, and now you're ruining no, 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 no. <laughs> no we don't want that. He can sing backup, but he will not be able to throw backup. You know, Mac does a great Al Pacino impression from that movie. Why don't you do it for Billy? Oh, yeah, you I love that it. scene. That scene is great. great. And we just played the Ron Rivera from the the Panthers were in the All or Nothing series. Oh, like yeah, series. yeah, yes. And we just played one of the clips of Ron Rivera just going Gets off on the team. everybody going. And everybody. That, remind, it's, it's similar. It was his version of an inch. What would you do for an inch? Yeah, <laughs> that's I love it, that that's all Dude, I get goosebumps. That's all every, I can do. I, I do heard it now. about when we were filming that scene, yeah. Al Pacino kept turning the heat up every time. Did like, he? he did it about maybe 10 times. Oh, and no. every time, we all got riled up because he put <laughs> so much energy. It's the one that's real in the Crawl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so really? good. You're so like, you got, so it literally kind of got you. You, you could run through a like... wall after that. And that's what I love about football. You know, it's one of those sports where you could just be all male, testosterone, killer gladiator. Is yeah. this what you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those sports that you just those are real men. hard. It's some real, real man, man stuff, I, man. I always say, and I don't have any, you know, I don't have a problem admitting this. They do things I'm not willing to do. I'm not going over the middle. Even with the new rules, regulating that stuff. I'm not going over the middle like that. Like these guys are tough. Quarterbacks that hang in there, wait to the take, last second, or take, a hit. take the beating. Those I mean, you know, tough, it's man. a part of the game. You know, it's a rough game. And the guys that do it, I respect. I had no idea how hard football was until I did that movie. I literally, as a receiver, and I'm not talking about getting hit. Now, I got hit. I'm just saying physicality, like yeah. being in shape. Your body is your money, right? You are, as a, every receiver who played college or football will know, your body is everything. You have to be in shape. You have to train. You have to be strong. And then you have to recover to do it all over again. It, it, I, and I was doing two-a-days. You ever did two-a-days in your life? Two-a-days is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I mean, done a one-a-day. Dude, I never in my life, and I played basketball my whole life, yeah. I never was in a position where I couldn't walk. My quads, my 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 hip flexors, my ankles, and my calves were on, like burning from running oh. so hard. And like in football, you exploding, chop your feet, bah, 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 bah. slow down, yeah. explode, poof, and like all day, I had to sit in an ice tub. All the guys know what I'm talking about. All the linemen get in there, read the newspaper, yeah, because they know that's the only way you're getting back. Every every athlete should be able to get in that ice tub. Oh, say it ain't so, Bill. You can't be giving away those Hollywood secrets like that. Come on. Willie Beeman wasn't throwing those balls. That wasn't always Jamie Foxx. Oh, next you're going to tell us there's no Santa Claus or no Easter Buddy. Don't do it, Bill Bellamy. That's the best of your sports talk for Friday, July the 26th. We'll see you on Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 